Hey, welcome to the In Doubt Show. We got a great show today. Chris Thronis, pastor at Kamloops Alliance Church. You guessed it, in Kamloops. Uh, we're going to be talking to him about community, what it looks like to have biblical community. I think this is a very important topic. Uh, a lot of people uh, during the pandemic just felt more comfortable being hermits and just watching church online and not going on public and not welcoming people in their homes. And um, so we want to talk about what it looks like to have biblical community. We're going to talk about that with Chris. Um, also want to remind you, Mondays, we're on YouTube or wherever you stream podcasts. So tune in, like, subscribe, do all those things. We appreciate it. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Indown Show. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, folks. Woo-hoo. Happy Monday. Yeah, Woo. our live studio audience. Happy Monday to you. Thank you for being here today. It's, it's a good day. We hope you had a great weekend, and we're glad that you're tuning in with us today. Happy Monday. You know what time it is, folks. It's a very important time. We are aiming to... Make Mondays great again. That's what we're here to do. You know what I love about Mondays? What, Johnny? Me. me. I bought a Monday show. That's the best part about a Monday. <laughs> Okay, perfect. Thank you, Donnie. Such a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we are so happy you're joining us. Um, how was your weekend? It was good. I went on a walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's really it nice. That's really nice. That's really nice. What about you? You had a good weekend? Did you it, it walk? Was good. Yeah, yes. You did nice. I didn't. I ran. I ran after two children. Uh, okay, that doesn't count. Did you go for a run or did you run? Did you I, go for a walk or did you walk? That's right. I'm one-upping all of you. Wow. (laughs) He beat us, folks. (laughs) My exercise is chasing children. It's a good exercise. It actually is really... And then I bench press them when I want to. That's actually pretty sick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty good. No, but I had a great weekend, though. Really chill. Just hanging out with the kids. Good time. Um, We got a lot to talk about today, and I think very, very, very important stuff. We're talking about community, what it looks like to have biblical community in your life. I think a lot of us have kind of lost that perspective of what true and biblical community looks like. And I think uh, COVID, the pandemic, all that stuff definitely played a role in us kind of not understanding the reality of biblical community. Uh, what does community look like for you guys in, in your life? Do you attend community groups? It's okay if you don't, but do you have a community group? I actually host. A, okay. we, call them, we call them connect groups. Okay. <laughs> at my okay. Church. Super trendy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I think I think it's great. Like you don't really like get. To, I mean, you choose your church, but like in a sense, you don't like you don't get to choose your community. Like you don't get to choose your family. And I think it's something cool. There's something cool about just having like a ragtag team of people you wouldn't typically hang out with. Right. And like your 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 commonality is your faith, and like that's why you're you're hanging out and you're gathering. And I think that's cool because I feel like community is different from friends. Sometimes it's important to make that distinction. Well, yeah, exactly. Like you yeah. would not necessarily hang out with the 50, 60 year olds yeah. necessarily, but in yeah. these types of groups, you're sort of typically mashed yeah. together with a whole wide range of yeah, it's really cool. and things. Yeah. yeah. And it's actually so, really nice. Like I really enjoy it. Yeah. And there's like yeah. a kind of like diversity in ages or all kinds of stuff. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. But you do, you sit back, you look at a community that or a group that you're a part of and you're like, I, these are 
very different people than I would hang out with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's, that's good. It's actually important. It's, yeah. It grows you. It grows them. Yeah. It's, it's difficult to just be friends with the people that talk like you and think like you and totally. affirm yeah. everything you do. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, we attend a community group and we host it sometimes at our house. We kind of co-lead it. And um, something really cool happened this weekend, actually. I can't wait to hear it. This, I'm actually like... Wait, what day of the week do you have yours? On a weekend? We have ours on Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Mine's on Thursdays. So. Yeah. So this oh. last so this last week, this last community group that we had just had, um, we had a huge party. This is the best news and the best thing that's ever happened in my life. That's it? You just had a party? What? No, no. I'm gonna, the no, because I'm going to tell you why the oh. party happened. <laughs> We had a party, but this that is, was the best news. This is wow. this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like and you I, need I have, friends, man. <laughs> and I was so excited to tell you guys this. Actually, oh yeah. sorry, sorry. So um, I was downstairs uh, working. Uh, it was a Tuesday last week, and um, and uh, our boy, he's almost five, four and a half, or almost five, and he's five in April. Uh, but uh, he comes running down the stairs and he says, "Daddy, Daddy!" And I said, "You know what's what's up? What's up?" He was so excited. I said, "What's going on?" He's like. I prayed and accepted Jesus into my heart. Oh. And now the Holy Spirit lives in me. And there's a party in heaven is what he told me. <laughs> nice. I'm not joking, man. That's oh. amazing. And I literally dropped everything I was doing, yeah. gave him a huge hug. We went upstairs and Michelle, like my wife, told me all that happened and like how it happened. She said it was just so surreal. It was like out-of-body experience just watching him want to do that. Wow. Man, it's like something we've been praying for for so long. I know. So yeah. have you experienced that with kids? Yeah. Your kids? Yeah. Oh. yeah, with my son. And it's the same experience. It's like just the, wow. Nothing yep. compares. Like I I texted everyone, phoned everyone. Like I, and so we had community group that day. Yeah. And I said, Hey, like we can continue on with what we're talking about. We're going through a book right now in Revelation. But it's like, can we just pause and just have like cake, celebration, party? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. We got him like sushi, which is his favorite food. Uh, and like we on. lit a candle and like happy birthday for his spiritual birthday. And it was that's just good, like man. celebrate your kid, Man, yeah. it was like the best. Oh, cool. But we got to do it in community. Yeah, we got to celebrate. The whole community group was just like so excited. Let's put everything aside and let's like celebrate this kid and what God's doing in his life. And it was just like the importance of celebrating with community, the importance of mourning with community, um, all the seasons of life. Um, I've just been so blessed, and so that was just like the coolest, the coolest thing. And and it's really important for him to do this, of course. And you know, sometimes you're skeptical. Okay, he's only like five. Does he actually get it? But I, I really feel like he did, and he does. And um, it's important because um, last week, uh, the day before that happened, last Monday actually, after our show, um, uh, at his school, he's in preschool. And mind you, this is a Christian preschool. And you also don't know about this. But uh, it's a Christian preschool and uh, with Christian values and beliefs. And so I went there briefly for like 20 minutes to uh, be a part of like parent participation. So you watch your kids sing a song or talk about space or some of the things they're learning. And then the kids went to go play and the teacher just kind of took all the parents aside, said, hey, we just want to talk to you, um, uh, parents. And so she talked about how they're doing this book uh, about the naked body. And that's not bad. It's important for kids to know about specific parts to protect themselves. And, you know, it's safety things. That's important. But then she said, you know, we're just doing uh, this book. It's a brand new um, version of this book that is a lot more inclusive is what she said. Okay. And so I said, okay, like I was a little nervous. So I said, can I see the book? And um, so she gave me the book and I kind of opened it 
and it was just like it was terrible huh terrible and this is a four-year-old kid in in a christian preschool wow and uh the pictures were just honestly nasty it's like cartoon pornography um and i'm like my my boy does not need to see that at four years old uh yeah. The way I view him is he's like, if I'm thinking about gardening, he's a tiny little plant and I need to put him in the greenhouse for a season to grow him so that he's strong. Then I can plant him in the garden. So when the storm and when chaos comes, um, as far as like nature, he'll be able to withstand the storms that surround him. Yeah. And so I feel like to just throw him into something like that at four years old, I was shocked when you showed me the pictures. I showed him the um, pictures. I haven't seen you, them. I'll show you the pictures. Like, yeah, after. please do. Yeah. But it's just like... It's, it's so needless. It, it's, Four years old, bro? Well, it's it's almost irresponsible because... It's incredibly irresponsible. You're going to create so many more questions. You're not answering anything for a four-year-old. Confusion. Yeah. Based off of what you showed me. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it, it wasn't just your typical male and female anatomy. No, I think no, that's fair no. to say. So yeah, it was very confusing, yeah. man. The pictures are so confusing. People with stuff removed, people with stuff added on, and fully nude. Yeah. So you're just like seeing all of it with scars and whatever, and they're just, it's just, it was so bizarre. I thought it wasn't like this can't be real. So I went up to the teacher after, and I said, and she said, oh, do you have any questions? And I said, yeah, just one question. Just tell me what day this is happening, so I don't bring my son. <laughs> um, and she kind of looked Based. at me. <laughs> She looked at me like, oh, like, you're not okay with this. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm absolutely not. I am absolutely not okay with this. A five-year-old does not, or four and a half-year-old does not need to see. Like, it's confusing for the parents. Yeah. All that's going on is confusing for us. So how is a four-year-old going to process this? And we're dealing with it fully clothed. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to (laughs) deal with it fully naked. Oh, stop. It's, it's, It's hilarious. It's crazy. And so... Um, just if you're watching, if you're listening, it's just a reminder for parents. If you're a parent, um, you know, a lot of schools don't actually tell you what they're doing. Yeah. They just do it. And so we need to do our due diligence and not just assume that it's a Christian school. They probably have good Christian values because the reality is there's just a lot of stuff that's just kind of seeping through Christian, non-Christian, whatever. And, and, and and if you're a believer or not a believer, no four-year-olds whether you believe or have faith or don't should be exposed to this like cartoon pornography. Yeah, I'm just really hung up on the whole like the age range. Yeah, that it's was It's like showing a 4-year-old versus showing like I don't know, a 12 or a 13-year-old even is is vastly different. Well, yeah. What benefit I mean, does this give to a 4-year-old? Like is this is this strictly like are they presenting it as like biology or are they like what how are they presenting this i i guess i haven't seen it so like what is it what what class is this i guess well they're just showing all the options <laughs> i'm not yeah, even joking i'm not joking man yeah. all the this could be you <laughs> i'm not even joking why else would are they you do kidding it? me bro why else would they do it yeah so it yeah it wasn't just a simple like yeah. you're a boy here are your boy parts you're yeah. a girl like yeah, and they actually Simple said in the anatomy. new the new like, version of this book, they said they actually took out, took out the word penis and vagina, and they 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 replaced it with genitals because not all boys, you know. Interesting. So it's just like I I just don't know. My boy is ready to. Life is like it's just we're trying to take away their innocence and just yeah yeah it it just it was really shocking to me. And so, anyways, if you're a parent, just 
you know, we have to do our due diligence and do the hard work of actually just bringing up stuff, asking questions, show me the book. What is your stance on this or that? And um, I think it's important. I actually have a, a lady at our church who used to teach at a Christian high school, and she resigned because grade eights were watching straight up pornography. Mm. The teacher was actually just showing all the websites, showing what? them where they what? can go to. Yep, showing them like the biggest porno- pornographic websites, showing them where to go. They're watching it in class, watching all and and like. Bro, they're watching porn in class. You said that's grade in a Christian eight. school. That is Christian, illegal. Christian school. That is grade illegal. Eight. You're not allowed to view. That that's illegal. That's illegal. And she, she <laughs> resigned. The lawsuits? She, that's nuts. she resigned, and then oh, it yeah. all exploded because she's a bigot now for not accepting what this Christian school is doing. So she was on Rebel News and all this different stuff. Oh, and I'm like, goodness. I what? What's right is wrong, and what's wrong is right. Yeah, that's what's happening. That's and not nuts. only what's wrong is right. What's wrong is celebrated and rejoiced, and people yeah. are excited about it. And it just. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And and I don't even know if I have a righteous anger. I'm just very angry. I hope yeah. it's righteous, but sometimes I'm yeah. I think ah, this may be a little bit past righteous mm-hmm. because I'm thinking pretty terribly. I just things. think it's incredibly dumb and hilarious. I try not to get angry. I try to laugh at it. That's been a very effective approach. Like I am angry, like if you were to really push me on things. Yeah. But I think it's more it's it's better to just ridicule it. It's like, this is so stupid. And I used to do that until I had children of my own. Yeah. And now this is being presented to my boy. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I wouldn't know that. And right. yeah, that that's when my uh, mind, my mindset shifted. Yeah. Because I would laugh. I was yeah. like, ridiculous. It's a, that's like just so... No, no, so, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm taking this less seriously. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just yeah. like, you just make... I, I understand what you're saying, and I used to do that. Yeah. And now when it's in front of my kid, yep. all of a sudden it's just like a gear shifted, man. And yeah. I'm like... I am like I'm. I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna yeah. fight. The Bible talks about fighting the good fight of faith. The Bible talks about standing firm yeah. on what is true. And it's like it's the first time this feeling kind of just riled up in me uh, to just I'm gonna stand unashamedly. So my wife actually sent a massive email to the admin, to the teachers, to all the staff with yeah. every single picture in case people didn't know, and and also sent an email to every single parent in that class. To show them all the pictures because no one else in the none of the parents asked to see the book, mm. and um, and we know we're going to be called bigots and we're going to get basically shunned mm. because how dare you, mm. you know, how could you do that? But it's like you know what we don't care, and I think it's important for Christians to stand firm in the faith and stand firm in what is true, and uh, I think we've been silent for a long time, and, yeah. and I don't know I, I I've never been so passionate until last week. And this was just, you know, now my boy is, you know, at risk of kind of yeah. just seeing things that he just shouldn't see. And I don't think when he's in grade eight, he should be watching yeah. pornography in school. No. Like that. Is that such nope. a wild concept? <laughs> Unfortunately, it is. It, no, I don't want my four-year-old to watch porn. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, really? So should we tell What's you in advance? That? That's what she said. It's like, oh, so should we like let you know in advance then when the book is reading? Like, Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get that either because what a joke of a all the way through school years and stuff. Whenever they talked anything remotely like sex ed or anything, there was always like a permission slip or something that had to go home and yes. get signed or yeah. whatever. Yeah, like for yeah. basic stuff, it's like, hey, you're your parent, like you're the parent here. You're in charge of teaching your child. Yes, but this is our curriculum. Yeah, this is when we're gonna teach it. Yeah, I'm you want to teach them later, that. like or whatever. Yeah. And so yeah, I just said we're not bringing him. And now I'm kind of like nervous about like, okay, so say it happens on a Friday. Monday they get back together, like, are they going to, you know, this is what happened last week? Yeah. 
like, do I just take them out indefinitely or take them out for like the week after? So it kind of calms down. Yeah. But it's just like, man, parents need to just really suit up, put on the armor of God. And uh, it's actually, um, we need to just stand yeah, instead of uh, be defensive. I think it's a season, at least in my life, to actually stand on the offense, put on the armor of God, have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is all truth. And uh, use that as our weapon to yeah. to uh, protect our kids. Yeah, so community. Great. <laughs> no, but I say that yeah. because everything is... St- like, I can't do that by myself. Yeah. I can't yeah. fight on my own. Yeah, you know, totally. when you think of Matthew chapter 5, and this is how it all kind of ties into community. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking. It's the Beatitudes, the best sermon preached by the best preacher. Um, but he talks about salt and light. And he says, you are salt of the earth. And then he says, you are a light, like a city on a hill that can't be hidden. So when he's talking about salt and when he's talking about light, I don't know if we realize this, but those words are plural. And if you think about it, if I put one grain of salt on my meal, no difference, no distinction. If it's one tiny light in the whole city, you know, he's talking about a city on a hill, which means multiple lights. We talk about sprinkling salt together. Uh, we are salt collectively, yeah, and we are light collectively. And so when things come against us or when we want to stand firm on our faith, I can't go out to a battle by myself. I can't be salty and light alone. Um, I can't be a distinction. I can't bring change. And so that there enters community. And it's like we're actually called to do this together. Yeah. We're salty together. We're light together. The only salty. way we can bring... <laughs> wow, that was, was actually. Who was that? I don't know. Is that, that you? That was a, that was a, that was a soundbite. Just salty. random. Just, Just a right. random salty soundbite. Sure. Chris is on it sure. these days, but sure, uh, we are random. called to be salt and light together, and um, I think it's important. That's the only way we can bring change. That's the only way we can protect our kids. Everything we do, we do in community, and I think that's an aspect that a lot of us are losing, and I think it's an aspect that we need to get back to, and so. We're going to jump into an interview. If that's you guys are you guys are all good with that? Oh yeah, go for yeah. it. Uh, pastor Chris Thronis, who's the pastor at uh, Kamloops Alliance, I think his Zoom call is actually ready for us. So we're going to jump into him. He's in Kamloops. Uh, we're going to talk about biblical community, what it looks like, and how we can live that out in our lives. So let's check it out. All right, Chris Thronis, thank you so much for joining us today, man. It's been a long time since I've last seen you. When's the last time I saw you? Oh no, not that long. We saw each other at uh, Coquitlam Alliance Church for Mark Francisco's farewell weekend. Yeah, yes. so that was December. No, no. Yeah, de- it was December. It was the yeah, first weekend of December, but before that, it was way too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since yeah, we yeah. saw each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Way too long. I think it was when I slept over at your house. <laughs> yes, like, yeah, right, like probably. a long time when I led worship at your church. That was so fun, man. Such a great time. That was so great to have you here. It, you know what? When you said like, like you slept over at my house, it's kind of like we were like teenagers playing like Super Mario Kart <laughs> yeah. together, but it no, wasn't like we that. We were adults <laughs> and we're playing NHL, okay? So just figure out your life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, that's amazing. It's so good to see you. Um, uh, for the people who are watching or listening, tell us a little bit about your journey in your ministry life, your family life. What are you doing now and kind of how you got there? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, my name is Chris, uh, lead pastor currently at Kamloops Alliance Church. Uh, Like as far as like vocationally, uh, I've been in leadership in churches for 16 years. So 
I know, man. It's uh, It's been really good, though. But I uh, started at Vernon Alliance Church here in the interior of BC. Uh, just youth, not just, but served as a youth pastor there. Then uh, really, I cut my teeth and spread my wings at Coquitlam Alliance Church in the Lower Mainland with you uh, at uh, at CA, which was a great season of leadership together. Started as, uh, I think, what would go down to be the worst junior high youth pastor <laughs> of all time. Uh, Why would you I, say I, that? Why would you say well, that? Well, you know what? I, I realize that junior high kids don't really care about structure and leadership and stuff they just really want to have fun and uh, i like having fun but uh, i was not good so anyway i <laughs> moved into young adults ministry for uh for five years and led a great ministry called ethos through coquitlam Alliance church uh, and then i served as the executive pastor uh there for five years five years um and then in 20 august of 2018 became the lead pastor here at Callum's alliance church so yeah, so that's my voc- vocation. I went to Ambrose University for my undergrad degree and uh, went to Knox Theological Seminary for my seminary work. And then currently I am just started actually a doctor of ministry from Talbot School of Theology in California. So yeah, so that's a kind of a side gig that I'm, wow. uh, I'm putting my attention to. Uh, family-wise, married to Krista for 12 years. Uh, Krista is a nurse in labor and delivery. So She's working one day a week doing that. I got three kids, uh, Hannah, Micah, and Matea, nine, seven, and five. So, man, my life with like church and family and school uh, is very, very full, but uh, I'm so grateful. So many great things going on. So there's a little bit about me. Wow, that's amazing, man. I feel like if I had, well, you know, I did lose my hair, but I feel like I would have lost, lose it earlier. I would have have lost it earlier if uh, right. I had your life. Well, you still got I, it though, I, man. Dude, I, I have hair, but it's like, it's going gray at an alarming <laughs> rate. Um, I, I actually blame it on COVID. I fully blame it on COVID that I was like, okay, before COVID, but COVID came and man, my hair has turned Oh my I, I call it I call it Arctic blonde, right? So it's the Arctic blonde. Yeah. I blame yeah. mine on COVID too. It just all fell out. It's like it's all, it's, it wanted it's to stay good, six man. feet apart from me. I guess I don't know. It was like socially distant from my scalp. I, I think this is just life at middle age now, Andrew. This is just us, man. Yeah, it's just it's just how it goes. Um, yeah. Okay. So speaking of COVID, so you were at your church for two years before the pandemic hit. So you got a little yeah. bit of, um, you know, you got your feet wet. You were able to be grounded. I know some people who started ministry and then like a week later, you know, pandemic hit and they had to like, you know, refigure everything out. So you had a couple yes. years. Um, what what did you notice in your congregation and in your community? Uh, some of the changes that happened pre and kind of during and now post. Has you Have you seen community kind of change a lot? I'm noticing there's just a lot of changes. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think it's true. Um, you know, well, I think one of the things that the pandemic taught us was how vital it is that we go through life together. So you think about like high moments in people's lives, like a wedding. And, you know, I, I officiated a few weddings through the pandemic that were just like me and the couple and like a Zoom, you know, like this moment. And it's like, it worked, but it wasn't great, you know? And and then also in the tough moments. And so like as a church, we, our, our church has been around for over 75 years. And we've had people at our church going to our church for over like 50 years, some of them up to 60 years. And we had some of these people pass away during the pandemic. These are matriarchs and patriarchs of our church that they just passed away and nothing happened. Like there's no gathering spot to grieve together. 
And so when you don't celebrate and when you don't mourn together, I really think it takes the meaning and beauty out of those moments that just in our culture we need to do together. And so I think that was really, really painful for people. I also noticed with the lack of community that people became way more tribal than ever before because they were left to a lot of time and their phones or YouTube, right? And so you saw that politically through the pandemic, you know, the people who just really camped in on these different sides of the of the issues and also theologically where people started to really become tribal and started to major on minors. And I think without the gathering of the people of God every week, um, man, it was just so sad to see the division uh, and not having the reminders every week, especially when you come to the Lord's table. And the thing about the Lord's table is like, man, like what unites us at this table is actually bigger than what divides us. And without having kind of that weekly reminder of community, uh, I just saw so much disintegration and uh, what one of my friends says, a gentleness deficit come to the, the church community. Uh, so instead of being like curious and gentle with one another, we were really angry and we were really tribal. And so all of this, I think, reminds us that we are embodied people needing to be together, not online. On I don't, it's, It was okay. We'll probably get into that. Online was okay, but... Yeah, there was just so much, I think, disintegration of um, the meaning and the unity and I think what we are able to give and receive with through the pandemic. So, man, as a pastor, like I, I, I was told people, I didn't get into this to be a YouTube sensation. Like I got into this to love people and to journey with people in weddings and funerals and at the Lord's table and all that sort of stuff. So it was hard for everybody, especially pastors, I think. Yeah, and I do see a lot of pastors kind of just burning out or retiring, resigning, and some of them seem like quite early for them to do that. And I wonder, and, and I mean, even my own journey, man, doing like, you know, music ministry online and, you know, the YouTube stuff, same thing. I'm, that's not what I'm, I don't want to do this. I want to be with the family of God and they lead me in worship. So now I'm just leading to a red dot flashing on the camera. It's just really, really hard. But um, yeah. that took a toll on me. And I think that was a big part of, you know, my clinical burnout, but um, yeah. it's been really hard. So, so fast forward, pandemic is over and we're kind of gathering again physically. I want to ask you a question and then I want to ask, um, kind of what you, what we see biblically, uh, as far as church community. But when I say church community, what's the first things that come into your head? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, honestly, one of the first things that comes into my head is, um, the idea that church community can actually be really painful for people. We'll get to the, the beauty of it and the, the, the it, how it's necessary. But um, I think there's been so much hurt that we have, um, uh, you know, we've given friendly fire to each other in, in, in church. And so, especially in, in my context here in Kamloops with uh, a high population of Indigenous people, and as a church, we're trying to reach out to and befriend Indigenous people. There's a lot of skepticism when it comes to church and church community and Christians. And so th the first thing that comes to my head is that it's not always a beautiful picture for all people. 
Uh, mm. Whether you're indigenous or not, there's just a lot of sad stories. And I've been I've been pastorally working uh, with people who have had like horrendous experiences with the church. And so um, we're, we're going to get into, and I, I will absolutely be biblical in my response for what community is and its, and its necessity in the life of a believer, but it's not always that. And so I think there's some disappointment that people have um, that, that pastorally, and even as a church, we need to recognize, we need to say like, wow, um, there has been a lot of unfortunate stories and experiences that come from the church and and to recognize that that people don't approach this with always a positive attitude. So that's the first thing. It's like mm-hmm. I think we need to recognize how messy the church is, how broken it is and how people's experiences of it are very very uh vast and some of them are horrendously uh hurtful. The second thing though is that it is it is beautiful. Uh it is a beautiful thing. Um when we understand it biblically and theologically that man doing life with Jesus, with a group of people, um, properly understood pro- with proper expectations is, is part of the, part of the, the, the best parts of actually following Jesus is following Jesus together. So what, one of the things that we've done post pandemic as a church is we've said, okay, our plans, our hopes, our dreams before the pandemic, we're in a new reality. We're a different church than we were, uh, in 2019. So we've actually come up with a strategic plan, uh, a new strategic plan for our church that really is going to guide our next three to five years. And one of our strategic initiatives uh, that we're really emphasizing over the next three to five years is community. Mm. And so our our hope is, and our call is this, as a response to Christ's call to intimate community with him and others, we desire to be a self-sacrificing and embracing community to all people. And we believe that's actually like, in a, a contrary experience to our divisive culture, to our tribal culture, to our lonely culture, to our angry culture, to our disintegrating culture, we just see like life together actually uh, biblically as we do this together is actually what our world desperately needs coming out of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that comes to mind is, yeah, there's hurt. But there's so much beauty and so much need for it that I think the church can offer our lonely, distracted, tribal world um, something that's deep and beautiful and authentic and intimate as Christ has called us. We get to call other people into those places. So, um, yeah, it's hurtful, but it's also beautiful. Wow. Wow. That's that's such a beautiful answer because I think most people try to just kind of push the beauty and kind of ignore the fact that, yeah, we are all a mess, and we all fall short. And so the church is filled yeah. with broken people. I was talking to a buddy, and he was just talking about his experience with church and how he was surprised when a pastor admitted to, you know, addiction with pornography or whatever, and then he got let go. And he was like, wow, like, pastor? And I'm like, dude, the church is people. People fall short, yes. which means it's messy, which means people get hurt. And oftentimes we kind of shy away from those realities and just say, oh, it's a beautiful place. Everything's beautiful. Everything's perfect. It's like, well... Not really. So that was a yeah. perfect answer to kind of see that they both can exist. Yeah. And we just have to admit that. So totally. walk us through then when we say from a biblical perspective, what would you answer yeah. then? And and do you think sometimes the hurt that happens in people's lives is because of churches who maybe aren't acting as biblical churches? Yeah, Totally. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So I there's there's this is not going to be a complete answer, but I, I think what does the Bible say about community? Here's a few things. I think first, it is necessary. Mm-hmm. 
it is absolutely necessary. I pointed this out as we preach through our new strategic plan, um, that in Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus calls the first disciples to himself, he calls them unto himself, but not by themselves, mm. right? Like, he actually calls them in groups of two. Matthew chapter 9, he calls Matthew unto himself, the tax collector. Matthew chapter 10, it's like the final roster of these disciples, um, and and they are together. He sends them out together, which I think you actually see Jesus's vision for community is that, man, it is necessary that we do this together. Uh, and, and I think the, the, the impulse, especially after COVID and the myth that people have bought into is, oh, I can just sit at home in my pajamas, eating my waffles and watch church online. And I actually said, like, if you believe that, that is a myth. I said that online and to our, uh, <laughs> onto our, uh, uh, because it's true. It's actually not a biblical idea that you can do this. So uh, there's a, a great story from D.L. Moody and, uh, and Moody, one of his parishioners came up to him and Moody said, um, uh, yeah, sure. I'll come to your house. And so this guy welcomed him to his house. And the story goes that uh, uh, he was talking with this parishioner and this parishioner starts to have this big long list of why he doesn't really like the church and how, he can actually just do this kind of as a solo mission with Jesus, right? And so they're talking in front of the fire. And as this guy is talking, D.L. Moody pulls a coal from the fire. And as the guy's talking, the coal goes from red hot to completely out. Hmm. So this guy finishes talking and Moody doesn't say a word. He just looks at the coal and looks up at the guy. And the guy says to him, sir, you have made your point. <laughs> Right. Amazing. Which is great. Like, and I think that's the image, right? Like the the coal has to exist in the fire. If you take it out, it's it it will, it's only a matter of time, actually, until that red hot coal goes out. And I think it's true for the people who just love I love waffles in my pajamas on the couch. It's like it's necessary. You actually have to do this together. So it's difficult. We, we already talked about that. Like every one of the new testament letters we we have this picture of like oh the church is beautiful and everything's going to be great and you know we get to do all these things together and it's kind of this utopian vision of the church but like we forget that i think every new testament letter is written to a place going through some sort of conflict and so the, like the church has always been a little bit of a mess. And so what is the church biblically? It is necessary. It's difficult. It's diverse. It is diverse. Um, I looked through Ephesians 3 for this. Ephesians 3, 6. The mystery is that through the gospels, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Like Paul's just like, as a Jew, right? Trained rabbi. It's like, I can't come to grips that this mystery is that somehow the Jews are now welcomed in. And so the New Testament is the outworking of that vision of Jew and Gentile together. Paul talks about you know that in different places. There is no Scythian or barbarian, slave or free. Like we're, this is a diverse group of people. And, and I, I think that is such a beautiful, not just an idea of our culture, because our culture loves the idea of diversity, but this is actually a great example of how to do it because mm. we don't have great examples. Our culture has great ideas. It doesn't have good examples. And I think here the church actually is not just the idea, but the example of us doing it together. And so as a church, we're actually trying to embody that way more, not in some sort of 
uh, I'm hesitant to use a word, but some sort of like woke cultural fascination, but rather like biblically, like we get to do this as like the rich and the poor and the indigenous and the non-indigenous and the black and the Filipino and the old and the young. And we all come to the Lord's table waiting for the bread and the juice, like beggars waiting for food. And we do this together. So, man, I love that image of of a true, not a culturally fascinated, but a true diversity. And then finally, and there's way more, but I think for the sake of our time, I'll I'll just say it's all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, he is the one who calls us unto himself. And so much of, I think, communities and groups, you know, we talk about tribalism, The difference of a biblical community is the instructions that Jesus gives to the community of how to do this together. So, you know, he, instead of like the anger of our tribal culture, like Jesus is going to say, actually, like, love your enemies. (laughs) If someone asks you to walk a mile, you actually walk two. If you get slapped on the cheek, you turn the other one. So the, the very ethics of a biblical community represent mm-hmm. Jesus to the world. And that's what that's what Paul gets at and later on in Ephesians 3.10. He says, his intent was that now, through the church, not through you and me soloing with Jesus, but through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Man, that I think is the image and the vision that gets people's rear ends off their couch mm-hmm. into church on Sunday. Because that's the vision, like through the church, the manifold wisdom, it's kind of like the diamond of the beauty of the gospel is being represented to the heavenly realms as we just gather on Sunday and sing out a tune together and eat bread and juice that are, that are a little bit stale and have bad church coffee, right? Actually, what's going on is that the manifold wisdom of God in his grace, the mystery of the plan of salvation, the atonement of Jesus, the the coming together of sinners becoming saints by Jesus, that's the vision, is that, man, it's all about the manifold wisdom Mm. of God together. And I think if that doesn't fire somebody, uh, Mm -hmm. whether you're a a, a Christian leader or church leader or like just a, a, a parishioner, we need to we need to recapture that the manifold wisdom of God through the church. So there's there's a few thoughts. Wow, man, that's that's so huge. And, and even when you're talking about you know love your enemy or walk two miles instead of one or give the other cheek, it's like it's just the opposite of what you'd think. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I remember in elementary school, I was a kid, but I remember hearing something at church about giving the other cheek, and a kid actually like slapped me in the face, and I'm like, and I I said, oh, do this one too, and he slapped me again. I'm like, that's terrible. Yeah, I didn't like it's that. It's not fun. That's not fun. No, it's not <laughs> I'm fun. Like, Why did he say that? Um, right. No, but it's it's just opposite of culture, opposite of what we think is right yeah. and good. And yeah. um, man, you had so many good points about that. So just kind of going back a little bit to this idea of church online, because I know a yeah. lot of people and probably people who are listening right now who think that is just the only way or that they want to do it these days. I know a lot of people personally who just would rather just sit at home, like you said, I don't know if yeah. they have waffles specifically, but I know PJs are involved and um, yeah. they just watch church online. And so what warning would you give to someone who's doing that and thinks that that suffices for their weekly community? I think, you know, as I talk about a gentleness deficit through COVID, 
I, I my, my first approach to people like that is actually gentleness. Mm. Um, to have some empathy for maybe their experience and their reality and their world. Um, we, we have been clear with our online um, engagers that we really desire them to be in person. But there's a vast variety of reasons of why they're not. I think about shut-ins who are just physically unable to come. I think about people who are hurt by the church, some of our Indigenous friends here, you know, who really want to keep the church at arm's distance. So I, I think my first approach, Andrew, I would just want to be very gentle. And I think, to be clear, that, um, like, I think Moody's illustration is just right. Eventually, eventually, there will be a cooling of the soul because it's about the giving and receiving in the community of faith that is a necessary part of discipleship. I think eventually what will happen is the change that they so long to see in their own lives won't happen because change is actually a community project. Hmm. It's life in, in the community, the one anothering of the New Testament so a cooling of the soul, I think a lack of change, um, a lack of missional engagement, because, yeah, we we take and receive communion together, but we also shoulder to shoulder go serve together, serve our neighborhoods, serve each other. So I, I, I don't think the trajectory of somebody who stays on their couch long term when they are able to go to church and, they, and they're doing it just for convenience sake convenience and growth are not compatible together. Mm. They're just not uh, like, word. show me, show me anybody in the Bible, in the hall of faith, Hebrews 11, show me anybody through church history who had convenience and comfort and also had impact and growth. It's not possible. And, and so we, I think we would do well as church leaders and just, I think people in community with one another to encourage each other as hard as it is to make a commitment to the body. Because I've said this to people, if the bride of Jesus was worthy enough for him to die for, it has to be good enough for you and me, wow. right? Like if, if he, if he felt like you and I, and the church was worthy of his death, the manifold wisdom of God, it has to be good enough for you and me. <laughs> It has to. So gentleness, and I think a maybe a, a gentle nudge to get back into community. Which sounds like the balance of grace and truth. You know, mm -hmm. you want to be gracious, but yeah, that gentle nudge of hey, it's really important. Yeah. And yeah. and we won't thrive in life without being with yeah. others. I think that analogy of the coal is like amazing. And I feel like I've seen many people cool down. Um, yeah. in this last, you know, couple of years. And um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think we see it with church attendance patterns too. You know, like we're, we're like 70, just maybe 70 plus percent of where we were pre-pandemic. And where are these people? Hmm. You know, I, we, we don't, we don't know. And that, that hurts. And I, I think that's the cooling of the soul that, that I've seen, um, which is really sad. It is really sad. sad, but, but it's just that's just such a clear picture of what happens when we're not in the you know in the body. So 
What would we say then to someone who physically is unable to get to church? Because I feel like if we just pick them up, drop them off, they heard a sermon, they drop, you drop them back off again. Is that even community? Yeah, right. Like, so yeah. it must be more than just sitting and engaging with a sermon or not even engaging, just sitting for a sermon, you know? What, to, yeah. what do we say to the people who physically can't come? What does the church need to be to them and how can they be a part of biblical community? Yeah. Yeah. I think we saw this actually through the pandemic. Like one of the initiatives our church did is we just said to people, phone each other, hmm. phone and check in. And I think that was actually maybe a positive thing that came through the pandemic that we realized, okay, why, what is the point of the weekend gathering? What is the point of the Sunday gathering? Is it just to hear a sermon? Like, because you can hear way better preachers than me every single weekend by just going online. Like, what is the point? And I think, I think the point is, it's it's actually life together during yes for sure that weekend moment that Sunday moment but but actually apart from that as well and so this is where we've really tried to um, actually take ownership probably as church leaders that we probably focus too much only on that Sunday service and our age appropriate gatherings through the week whether that's a life group or that's and actually say like people long to be a part of something that's twenty four seven and so for the older older folks um, who actually still, like there's a lot of people that still come uh, who are older, but we have tried so, so much as as paid staff, of course, and pastors to be reaching out to those uh, those awesome people in our church that we need, um, but also for the church to be the church together. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think that is, uh, it blows up the compartmentalization that we have in our culture that I have kind of my church thing. And then, but rather like, I wonder how this person is doing. Let's go for a walk, you know, at a park, or I'll bring some food over and surprise them or whatever that looks like. And, you know, the the people that suffered the most through the pandemic were our seniors in our church, like the ones whose shoulders that we stand on. And so that was really sad for us. And so we tried to do as much as we could to to reach out and, and love those people. Um, but I think the short answer is the church needs to be the church. Mm -hmm. We need to care well for one another and carry each other's burdens with one another um, in, in an age of distraction and disintegration. Mm -hmm. And so that looks like for the church to be the church, then it's more than just 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. on a Sunday. Yeah. It's yeah. the calls, the walks, the lunches, the visits, the praying to, yeah. together in an apartment or whatever. It's throughout the week being the church. I think yeah, we need to be reminded thing. of that. Huge. Yeah, hugely. And a great example is like we have tons of international students here in Kamloops with our university. And um, uh, one of the great stories was there was a TRU student from India uh, who had nowhere to go for Christmas and was just going to spend it like in her dorm room alone. And there's a family in our church who heard of the story and said, oh, no, that, not on our watch. That's not happening. You have a place at our table. And so she was able to go and experience a Canadian Christmas with one of our great families in our church. And I actually said that story to our church. I'm like, that's what we're going for. We're not going for just programs and, you know, cul-de-sacs for you just to have community for your own sake. This is actually for you to like open up your table mm -hmm. for the person in our church who doesn't have family close. So it's that story for all people is, I think, what we need. Praise what people God. long for. Yeah, praise yeah. God. And imagine the impact if the church was the church. Yeah. Could you imagine every yes. family doing that? Yes. That would be yes. that would be amazing. And the impact would be and you'd you'd reshape 
people's opinions on, oh, the church is a hurtful, terrible, messy yeah. place to these yeah. people love and these people welcome. And I had a seat at the table. I, and I, I think, Andrew, what a belief that I, I have grown into is I think the church needs to reclaim hospitality as a core practice. Hmm. Um, both corporately and individually. So that story of say, hey, come to my table, just have let's have some food together. Um, and even even corporately, like having hospitality through 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 meals, we want to like we want to alter our church physically for hospitality center. And the hospitality, eventually that hospitality from your table to our corporate uh experience of it in our lobby to like actually we want that all to lead to like the table of grace wow. at the Lord's Supper where he, where Jesus is the true host of that meal and we get to come. And so like thinkers like Rosaria Butterfield have talked a lot about hospitality. She, she has a great book, Hospi uh, The Gospel Comes of the House Key, about her journey into Christian faith um, through that. And, and I think this is what the church needs to reclaim yeah. as a core practice. I mean, Jesus did his best work throughout the Gospel of Luke at tables over a meal with people. And so that I think is community, is, is that practice of hospitality and for our seniors for for all people yeah that's huge and i feel like with the pandemic we also kind of closed and locked our doors we we weren't allowed we weren't allowed so it's like we had yeah. two years of not doing it and now it's like yes. that's really hard to shift that mentality of like hey come on in not even like because yeah. of fear of whatever but just it's just uncomfortable and not natural to us anymore and so it's gonna yeah. be a big shift for people to just unlock that door again and, and just welcome people in. But I think that's a huge part of yeah. biblical community. Totally. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate your time, man. This has been so much good. I hope uh, those who are listening were just blessed that they took notes. You might have to go back and take some notes because there's just lots of good stuff here. But I appreciate your time. All the best for you, your family, your ministry, man. We, we love you guys. And we're praying for God's best for you as a church and your family. Thanks, Andrew, and everybody at In Doubt and Back to the Bible. Well, that was a very, very interesting interview. I hope you uh, enjoyed that. I thought that was really insightful. He had lots of great points. I think a big one for me that just really stuck out was uh, just the the uh, analogy of the coal and what happens yeah. to that coal when it's burning red and when you take it out of the fire and let it sit aside, it starts to get cool and lose its uh, lose its heat. And I just thought, wow, that's mm -hmm. like a, that's a good picture for people who are maybe thinking they're they're happier or they could do it without a group of people mm -hmm. what about you guys what did you think yeah i mean I, that's what i experienced during covid like yeah. i took church yeah. for granted i took the yeah. the you know the yeah. the physicality of meeting with people and worshiping together mm -hmm. i took that i took it for granted bro uh not that i you know missed out on church a lot I, I went i went to to my church weekly and then it was gone and i was like oh like i really needed that Wow, yeah, you didn't yeah. even realize it yeah. until it was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like Zoom meetings with my friends aren't going to cut it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not. Yeah. Especially with slow internet. <laughs> well, my internet's fast, and that even, oh, okay. that even doesn't do it. Okay. So it doesn't even matter. <laughs> it, sounded, it sounded a little braggy. <laughs> well, my parents pay for my internet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, amazing. Wow. Uh, anything stand out to you, bro? Yeah, I, I like, the, uh, like the gentleness mm. approach that he talked yes. about and being cognizant that there are people who've been burned yes. in the church yeah. before and all sorts of different circumstances and past histories and being aware of that and still loving those people and trying to make it 
able for them to be a part of community. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was huge. Just the balance again of grace and truth. Just, you know, yeah, if yeah. it's all truth, get to church. You're such a pagan. Yeah. Like, ah, <laughs> might not work. <laughs> but uh, if you just say, oh, great. If it's all grace, hey, stay at home. Enjoy the waffles. Enjoy the PJs. Yeah. Sleep in. Do whatever. Yeah. That's also not going to work. So it's yeah. like, hey, we love you. But this is really important. Yep. And when you feel ready, we'd love to have you. And so, yeah, that is that was a good point. Just the the graciousness, the gentleness uh, is really huge. I thought also just the reality that church is a messy place. Yeah. Um, we can just accept that reality. We don't have to be perfect. Things don't have to be seamless. We don't have to have perfection on Sunday mornings. It's just Sunday and through the week. That was also another big one. It's not just Sunday morning. Yeah, that's true. That's not biblical community community is also wednesday going for a walk thursday having lunch um spending time during the week having your uh, you know my wife and i we love to have our door like we kind of just picture it as a revolving door where it's like there's no lock you just if someone wants to come in you know actually it's really interesting my dad's family uh, they grew up in egypt and he always talks about how at their table they always had an extra plate and fork and knife just at the table ready so if anyone knocked on the door or right before dinner or throughout the afternoon, it was mm. just there's a seat at the table for them. Mm. And I mean, my parents are the most hospitable people. I, I learned really from them awesome. so much. But if we could live like that, I know COVID made us afraid and said we're not allowed to even legally do that. Uh, so now we have to kind of push the other way, which is really hard. But I encourage yeah. you. Um, I encourage you on a few things. Um, if you're not in a community group or don't have a community, uh, find a community, find some people that you could do life with, not just on a Sunday, but just throughout the week. I think it'll be a huge blessing to you. We're not called to do life alone. And the second thing that I want to say is... Uh, cut to Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick, cut to Donnie. Donnie. Uh, any words of wisdom? Yeah, I have to say, community is terrific. Me and my friends, we make a lot of money together. That's what we do. That's our favorite activity. We don't talk about Jesus a lot, but we'd make a lot of money together. That is terrible. <laughs> Chris is cringing oh. over there. Um, don't don't listen to Donnie. Yeah, don't listen to him. Get into a community. Yeah. Uh, do life with others. That's super important. Attend church in person. If you're if you've been skeptical or scared or you're worried about it, I encourage you. Yes, it will be messy, but embrace the messiness. Um, and give it some time. And give it some. Don't time. Don't expect your first week in church to be like, oh my gosh. I felt the Holy Spirit. God's here. Community. I found my best friends. Like it's. It, it might take, take years. It, it, it might takes take a long time. Yeah. It takes a that's, long yeah. time. Like, Volunteer. That's what we experienced yeah. like moving. We up and moved from Edmonton yeah. to here without knowing anyone. And I sort of thought I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> we'll go to a church. You know, the first couple of weeks, and then uh, yeah, get involved by the second month, third month, and yeah. then everything will be hunky dory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's taken years. It takes yeah. a long time. And then, time. I mean, of course, COVID hits in the middle and oh, all yeah, sorts yeah. of other things happen. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It takes, it takes time. So be patient time. with yourself. Be patient with your community. Uh, and I pray that uh, people within the church um, will be hospitable. His yeah. idea yeah. of just like, we need to really set up, step up our hospitality game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's really important. So if you serve, if you volunteer, if you're around, you just pray that we can all step up our game so that we could just yeah. create a space on Sunday that's an overflow of what you do throughout the week that's good. with our unlocked front doors. Yeah, I find that um, the, the people that I volunteer with, I make strong connections with. Yeah, Some yeah. of my best friends have been people that I serve with, and we met just at a church event or something or at youth or whatever, uh, you know, yeah. youth leading, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is great. So. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. Serving together is huge. 
Um, I think that's it. Have a great have a great Monday. Have a great week. We'll see you next Monday for our next episode. But uh, try to find community. Get into a Bible based church. When in doubt, figure it out how. On by your doing own. those, no. Oh, sorry. Never sorry, on your that. own. Every read, read your Bible. Read your Every Bible. no. And Listen get, to the in doubt show. Get in community <laughs> is what we learned today. And look to Jesus. That's cool. We have like a new thing every week. When in doubt, figure it figure out it how out. by getting into community. This week I, by getting into community, folks. This is season one. All right. So just bear with us as we. Kind when of is the next season up. drop? See you next week. <laughs> 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 <laughs>